Standoff, the podcast where we put abilities from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure up against each other in a randomized bracket to determine what stand is objectively the best. My name is Kat, I use she, her pronouns, and that's the best I've done the fucking introduction in like three months. Thank you. Congratulations, my name is King when I use he, him. Hey, welcome, this is a new intro, Doc. <laughs> Yeah, we are on round three. You know the six criteria we were using before that were super rigid and we took extensive notes on? Fuck those. They're out. We got three criteria now. Three of them. So we could bullshit more. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so here's the deal. All the stands that are in the bracket at this point, we have talked about before. We'll give brief summaries on what their deals are. But if you need the detail again... We are going to say the episodes that the stands appeared in as we introduce them. So you can jump back and listen to us talk about them again if you want to. Boost those numbers for us. We like to see number go up. We get record-breaking numbers on weeks we don't (laughs) upload, which is the wildest shit I've ever heard in my life. So you're saying we should upload less? (laughs) Yes, apparently. No. Okay. Um, Yeah, here, here are our new criteria. The first one is reflection. Uh, We're going to be doing a deeper dive into the symbolism of a stand and how it relates to their user and to the reference of the stand. And then the next one is an arc. The story arc or arcs in which a stand and their user is present. How impactful are the stand and their user in their specific arcs and their whole parts? I can't. Yeah, no, you got it. You did it. I'm proud of you. And vibes. What kind of vibe does the stand put off? Which is just a rebranded X Factor. It's a little different. Yeah. Oh, and fuck it. We're not looking at stands in a vacuum anymore. Yeah. From here out, there are going to be heavier story spoilers on all of JoJo's. We're going to be talking about users. We're going to be talking about plot beats. Uh, yeah. I mean,. Like I said, we've already done all the hard work, and now we're just going to have fun with it, you know? We're still going to be doing two matchups an episode, assuming that still fits the format. This is our first time recording since round three started, so... We're like halfway through the whole thing, and we're like, alright, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> we're I not think- going to try as much anymore. Well, no, I think that this is a different kind of trying, right? Like, this is going to be a bit more nuanced discussion yeah, yeah, than yeah. just reading and it could be good or it could be bad. Who knows how much nuance our little monkey brains are capable of. Not so. much, but we can try. <laughs> so this episode is a fucking banger to start off round three. Uh, our matchups are King Crimson, who appeared in episodes one and 13 of Standoff, versus The Hand, who appeared in episode 13. And the second matchup is Foo Fighters versus Star Platinum, who both appeared in episode 14 of Standoff. This feels wrong. Why does it feel wrong? We've been going for so long. This feels wrong and different and weird. (laughs) Do you not want to do it? No, of course we're doing it. It Do you want to cancel Standoff? (laughs) I'm giving it a low vibe score. (laughs) Overall? Just everything? Just this arc. (laughs) Of Standoff? Yeah. But how does it reflect on us as people? Um, We'll find out by the end. Yeah, we should just get started, you know? All right. Let's talk about King Crimson. Do you want me to start with reflection or? Yeah. Or we could just talk about King Crimson in general. We're bad at this. King Crimson's the main antagonist stand of part five. He is, yeah. For a brief description of his appearance and ability, he's a very angry red man, and his ability lets him skip time forward and delete all the time that was in the middle. Yeah, and it, it's a it reflection. It, it, I feel like I feel like this is not going to last very long. But I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just second guessing myself constantly. Stop editorializing. I'm sorry. It's all I do. <laughs> no, but King Crimson skipping time. And just getting the result, I feel like everybody kind of gets this through the through part five, but it, it's it's both um, the user wanted to erase a time of his life being erased his past by killing his daughter is the only age connection he still has to his past, and erasing time and just getting the result. He doesn't care about the means of something; he just cares about the destination. It's the ends rather than the means. Yeah, exactly. So. 
To get into it a little bit more, the user of King Crimson is a man. Well, King Crimson kind of has two users, right? Yeah, two souls. Yeah, so there's a a substand that we didn't mention called Epitaph, which allows the user to see up to 10 seconds into the future, which synergizes really well with King Crimson. So, like King Crimson has two aspects of its ability, the individual controlling it also has two souls. Diavolo, the boss of the crime family called Passione, and Vinegar Dopio, a little twink. You... (laughs) We're gonna a, get demonetized. A sweet little boy. <laughs> he's he's an innocent little guy who talks to frogs. And he you kind of him. he kind of kills a lot. Like yeah, they introduce him and he's like, oh, look at how innocent this little dude is. He's just doing his best. And then later he's like, how am I gonna fuck up Bruno Bucarati the hardest look, I can? Look, to be fair, mm-hmm. all fairness to the child. A lot of people in JoJo's kill a lot. True. It just seems out of character for Dopio. I, I guess for Dopio, Diavolo, Diavolo, Diavolo. I never know which one's right, but uh, he he's he's still in there though. He is. He's Dopio's dark passenger. He may actually be the devil. He's literally just. He's just the Yami to his Yugi. That's just what this is. And I don't know how I never put it together. It, hmm. You can't that, even say anything else. It's just true. No, I was going to ask if Yami or Diavolo is hotter. Yami. I think it... Mm, Have you heard the voice? Yeah, I was going to say Diavolo wears mesh, but I'm pretty sure Yami does too at the start of yes. the Duelist City arc. Yes, and leather I, pants. I think it's Yami. It's Yami. Dan Green's voice. Are you kidding me? We're allowed to say Yami's hot because he's not a child. <laughs> Neither he's like, is Diavolo. But... He's from ancient Egyptian times. Yeah. He's at least a couple thousand years old. But I want to loop back to what I was saying before. Okay. That also ties into the boss hiding his identity, right? King Crimson has two aspects like the boss Diavolo has two aspects. King Crimson and Epitaph not only allow him to foresee through Epitaph and skip any dangers to his idea of a perfect world, um, it also gives him the means through which to perfectly hide his identity by concealing his existence within the body of another individual, which I don't know if that's necessarily because of stand mechanics or just fucking bullshit about him. A lot of JoJo's is just fucking bullshit, but we just look at the stands, typically. Everyone's just like, these stands are weird, but a lot of not-stand stuff is just stupid. Yeah, a lot of JoJo's is pretty dumb. Um, it's, it's just like Yami and Yugi. I'm, I'm 99% <laughs> sure that Diavolo is, like, a foot taller than Dopio. Oh, yeah, Diavolo. Well, he's just slouching. Sure, sure. <laughs> Yugi, Yugi goes through horrific, painful growth every time. Dopio just slouches. His knees break. (laughs) (laughs) No, his shins extend and retract. When you build the Millennium Puzzle, you get telescoping shins. That's the only explanation. I I can't prove you wrong. What I was going to say, though, was um, uh, it's just like it's like a very literal sense of being two faced. Yeah, exactly. Harvey Dent, can we trust him? Huh. Batman, what? but instead of two faces. That would be pretty good. I think you're onto something there. That would actually be sick because Batman would be able to figure it out. He would He'd be, be able to figure King Crimson out. God, who would win? King Crimson or Batman with time to prepare? Who would win? You decide. Cool, cool epic rap battles of history reference, dude. Um, I also wanted to say... King Crimson looking intimidating is also very important because Diavolo often hides in the shadows and speaks through King Crimson as a figurehead when he's forced to confront people. So it's very much the proper kind of imposing presence that befits the mouthpiece of the boss of Passione. I kind of put that in arc, the whole intimidating thing. But yeah, it, it works with reflection too because like he needs to be, he's the final boss in a very bloody part you know he's the final boss in a video game for the playstation 2 <laughs> Jojo's Bizarre right. Adventure Bento Oreo 
Oh, I thought it was neat. Well, uh, sorry, I thought it was neat um, that every video game that King Crimson's been in, they've you like they've like interpreted his power differently. It's good. Like in Eyes of Heaven, he just teleports. Speaking of abilities in video games that give you input lag. Yes. Did you see that they're adding a new character to Skullgirls? You've told me I've played Skullgirls once, like five, six years ago. Okay, let's keep on. Is there anything else about reflection that you would like to talk about? I, w- I thought I didn't have time to go back and listen through the whole album. There's a lot there. Yeah, but I, I didn't know specifics, but I'm pretty sure there's stuff in there about like being super experimental and that could tie in with like his stand being really weird and like the music's really weird because it's like a combination of like classical and blues and shit. Yeah, it's cool prog rock. Yeah, and um, I don't, I couldn't find any, but I thought I remember there being like glitchy parts of the song, or like there there's parts where like the rhythm like skips. I remember. I, it, these are vague memories. I didn't have time to fact check. You're good. The color scheme of King Crimson also matches the color scheme. Well, that goes under arc. So let's actually move on to arc. If you don't have anything else to say about reflection, do we give ratings anymore? No. Okay. We're just like this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at the stands like, what's Objectively, the fucking word? Objectively, and we're fine. <laughs> what's the fucking point? No, what's the word? <laughs> There's a, like, I don't know. We're looking at the entirety of, like, everything factored together rather than specific yeah, criteria going forward. Yeah, so the arc. King Crimson is the main antagonist stands of part five, as we've said, and its presence is really felt from around... The halfway point to the end? Yeah, after whatever the island's called that I don't remember. Or it's not yeah, island, um, it's the, 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 the church place. Yeah, the it's a small island off of Venice, which isn't important. Yeah, but yeah, it is, but it's not. Right, it's an yeah. important location where a man turns into a zombie. And they leave their friend behind because he's a fucking he's too coward. Because he's too strong, because he lost in the Eyes of Heaven bracket tournament. He did. Everyone lost except my boys. Mm-hmm. Except for Team Handgun. <laughs> so, do you want to give a quick summary of, like, King Crimson's deal in the story? King Crimson's deal in the story is to be a fucking terrifying presence. Um, it's one of those things Iraqi does really well, with, especially with main antagonist stands, where they use their ability before we actually know what it does. Mm-hmm. And it makes it really scary. Specifically in this part, because it, it just... Spoilers! Leave! Um, the first thing that he does with the stand is fucking murder one of the main fucking protagonists. Yeah. Just immediately. I mean, he's okay after, but... You know, you know what that reminded me of? What's that? Kakyoin. Yeah, rest in peace, Kakyoin. One of the first things Dio did after they confronted him just immediately murders Kakyoin. Like, ah, oh, shit. Well, Kakyoin knew the secret. He figured it out after, as he was dying. He was a little late. Smart boy. Yeah, King Crimson is a terrifying presence throughout the arc and pretty much defines it. Like, he seems, he is pretty much fully unstoppable until he isn't. Until he isn't. The same thing is, same thing is with the world. Right. A MacGuffin happens and he becomes beatable. But I feel like King Crimson's is a lot more realistic. Yeah. Than the it's world. It's more set up. Right. Like, the world is kind of an ass pole where Star Platinum, though we'll be talking about in a bit and probably ragging on it for this too then, just kind of gained the ability to stop time like the world does. Whereas at the end of part five, the protagonist Giorno and Diavolo are fighting over basically a power upgrade. The specifics aren't super important. And once Giorno gets it, he can beat Diavolo. But up until then, he is just essentially a force of nature. Until fate says, no, you are not Mr. King Crimson. And it's also got the, throughout most of part five, most of part five that uh, King Crimson's a part of, it's got that same kind of thing that part six did, where it's almost like the main antagonist is King Crimson rather than the villain himself. Because we see him, like, he hides in the shadows and we see King Crimson more often. Oh, shit. We see King Crimson more often. Yeah, Which is very... important for just the tone of part five as a whole like i feel like if araki had that idea for kira he would have done the same thing earlier he might have but that might have been a little weird being a cat man 
What's wrong with cat boys? I'm, I'm just saying, murders, pink cat outfit, they don't really fit. King Crimson isn't, oh no, sorry, Killer Queen isn't as intimidating as King Crimson. You're right. Yes. Yeah, so what I was going to say earlier is that Diavolo has a daughter, Trish, who is part of the hero team in part five, and Spice Girl, Trish's stand, and King Crimson share some design elements. It's not like, oh, they have this exact same pattern or anything, but some of the patterning and some of the color palette are similar enough that you look at them and you go, yeah, these two stands are definitely related. And I feel like that was a pretty inspired choice because like i love it yeah like stone free and star platinum don't look super similar yeah i wish they did they like the thing is star platinum is sometimes purple and sometimes blue right but even that like they're just explicitly different like if star platinum had sunglasses it would be different i that's my dream Uh, we're taking away points from Star Platinum preemptively for not having sunglasses. Yeah. Well, we did last time, too, of course. True. We're consistent, yeah, if anything. Uh, yeah, so vibes now? About. I just wanted to summarize by saying I think that the arc of King Crimson as a whole is... I mean, it's critical to part five because it is a main villain stand. It Not just is it critical to it, it perfectly encapsulates the theming of part five i think in that diavolo up until the end is kind of fated to do well and then it's his time to go yeah it's got the because when um when jonah first tells bruno like i'm gonna take out the entire fucking gang (laughs) bruno's like you're what he gives like the impression that like that's the wildest thing I've ever heard somebody say. And this yeah. is why, because this is what's standing in the way. Yeah. And they So even from like the first episode or two, you get that whatever stand it is is a nightmare. Exactly. And also it's funny to make the haha how does it work jokes, even though it's not that hard to explain or understand. Uh okay. It's hard to explain. So Right. The original How Does It Work was because the original scanlations of part five, which were the ones that I had to read before JoJo's Colored Adventure unfucked them, had a piss poor translation and made it super confusing. That's why that meme exists. Like, you're supposed to, the first time it happens, you're supposed to be like, oh, what happened? And then that scene in, like, blank space in the church in Venice, like, fully explains it. The translation for it just used to be terrible. Yeah, yeah. that brings us to The Hand, who appeared in episode 13 I'm of Standoff. Sorry? That brings well, us to oh, vibes. no. We have to talk about the vibes. Yeah, okay. Talk about the vibes. So that brings us to vibes. King Crimson's a scary nightmare boy, and I love him. King Crimson's got scary vibes, but yeah, it's a great stand. This is just X Factor again. Yeah, it is, but it's, but it's specifically scary, scary nightmare boy vibes, and I love it. Yeah, I, yeah. I like everyone's like, "Oh, he's so ugly. Look at his face." I look at I love him. He's precious. <laughs> he's angry. He's very angry. No talk him. Any other stand look that angry? I'm probably not thinking of it, but probably. Probably. Um, yeah, fucking Craftwork. Craftwork <laughs> <laughs> might look more angry. Craftwork looks like a Hellraiser demon. Yeah. All right. Also, I like the vibe of Epitaph. Epitaph's kind of cute. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Epitaph. Technically uh, wrapped into this as well, but not as pronounced. Yeah. And that now, now we're on the hand. The stand of Okiyasu Nijimura from part four of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. The hand, the stand of the band. No. I mean, that is the reference, but I, the hand's cool. Is Thank it? you for listening to Standoff. That's a fucking hot take. Is it? Do you think the stand isn't cool? Or the hand isn't cool? <laughs> Shut up. The hand's simple football player man who looks vaguely like Pepsi Man. He does look vaguely like Pepsi Man, but like... So he doesn't look... He has the color scheme of Pepsi Man. He doesn't look like Pepsi Man. Right. And like, he looks like a big football playing boy, but... I don't 
No, he looks like a fucking brawler, and that's what Okiyasu is, right? Yeah, I don't know. I I always like in my head. I'm like, yeah, I like how the hand looks. He's a cool guy. And then like the more I look at him, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I think his head is weird, but like, so the hand is a stand that is basically wearing football player pads, but and has tires. They're they're spiked tires. It's- they're kind of spiked tires at the same time. Um, he has a hand with some bumps on it and a bunch of lines that is what activates his ability, which is that when he scrapes the air, it erases space and anything that it touches, and then the space collapses back together, which should probably destroy something important in the world. It's probably just constantly fucking up space time. But at the same time, Okuyasu is not the kind of person... Like, I think... For, to go into reflection already, I think it perfectly fits Okuyasu as a person because right. he's impulsive and simple. He's just going to do what the stand does and not think about the consequences. I think there's one, there's a scene in part four that he's like, I don't know, there's probably a lot of bad consequences for using this, but that's too much for me to deal with. Exactly. And there's also a scene in part four that perfectly sums him up where they're chasing a villain who disguises himself as like a boat worker. And he in disguise and the boat worker right next to each other. And Okiyasu's like, and he turns himself in for some reason. And Okiyasu's like, yeah, I was just going to beat the shit out of both of you and figure it out later. Like, (laughs) that's who he is. He's punched first and asked questions later. And the brute force that the hand exemplifies through its ability and its combat power, because it is a short range power type stand, is particularly exemplary of that. Yeah, it's a whole thing that, like... The hand's an insanely powerful stand that could be used way better than how Okiyasu does it, but he's not that kind of person. He's going to use it in the simple way that gets things done. Right. It. Yeah, he Occam's razors it, I guess. Oh! Oh, that's a... Yeah? Like, like the hand is using Occam's razor to cut stuff. Yeah, the hand has really big calluses um, okay. because, like a gangster... He slips razor blades into the calluses in his hand and just slashes people with them. Is that a thing people do? I'm pretty sure it is. That's ah, uh, it makes me it makes my hands hurt. It's rough, yeah. Um, also on reflection is some of the symbolism in the stand, though. It's got so Okiyasu has the word billion on his arm, and he has a big dollar sign on his chest. And the hand has a yen sign and a dollar sign on its chest. So they're very, they're similarly themed in that way. Am I still here? Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. You cut out again for a second, but you're good. Um, Okuyasu, Nishimura, don't they like mean like billions and whatever? Yeah, so Okuyasu also has the, he has billion on his left arm and on his right shoulder, he has the kanji Oku, which is for 100 million. Yeah, and that's what his name is referenced to. Well, his, what's his brother's name? Keicho. Keicho. Remember Keicho? Remember Badco? Remember when Okuyasu was a villain? Briefly. Briefly. Yeah, and his kanji means trillion. They are, they're boys with money-themed names, and the hand's kind of a money-themed stand. And it's cool. Yeah, but I'm not sure. It's cool, and it's good theming, but I'm not sure how that like relates to the hand as it, other than how it looks. But I'm like, I'm down for it. I, like, Well, that's part of reflection, right? It's the symbolism yeah. of the stand reflecting on the user as a person. Yeah, I'm for it. I just don't get it. <laughs> You're valid. I guess. Is there anything else in the reflection? Like, it doesn't really have anything to do with the band besides the potential no. writing pun. Yeah. Which and- we mentioned in the original episode. That being that the hand and the band are a symbol addition to a Japanese character away from being the exact same word. Yeah, it's like one like pencil stroke that that could be erased from the hand's ability. It's two, it's two pencil strokes. Fuck you! I'm doing it off of memory! I'm sorry, please forgive me. Uh, reflection. The hand's head looks like a gosh dang trash can. I know Kiyasu's Just got like my garbage in his brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Ark. Okiyasu's Ark in part four. Okiyasu's Ark in part four is actually really wonderful. Is it? Yeah, so Okiyasu starts off as a kind of piece of shit delinquent who is 
kind of he lives with his brother and he and his brother are basically left alone in the world because their dad turns into a little gremlin monster because of one of Dio Brando's flesh buds. Little ghoul. And essentially they start working with a villain to create stand users to try to make one who can kill their dad because he can't die in with any of their abilities. He just regenerates. So what was that? Nothing. I was gonna say they can't they can't slay their father their ghoul father. Correct. Um so Okiyasu starts as a shitheel villain who goes around causing trouble and helping his brother create more stand users, who generally the kind of people who have the fighting spirit to be stand users are bad people. And so they are essentially creating trouble for Morio. When he first encounters Josuke, they fight, Okiyasu kinda sucks, and then he has a change of heart. Um, the guy they were working with kills his brother, and he joins up with the Moriocho gang. And then it's basically just him kind of being a dumbass for a while. And while he's friends with Josuke, he's also kind of just following along because he was just following along his brother. And then at the end, he almost dies, and his brother's like, hey, you're on your own now. Do better. And Okios is like, shit, I'm going to be cool now. And then he's like an actual self-reliant full-fledged person who saves Josuke by swiping an invisible air bubble out of existence. So it's not (laughs) obvious because about 5% of his whole existence is character growth, but really- And the rest is just Okiyasu being him. Yeah, but they're pretty good capstones. No, yeah, I can see it. I forget about a lot of it most of the time. Because you hate part four, yeah. I don't Um, hate part four! Yeah, but it's fun to say that you do and hear you get frustrated about it. And then everyone's gonna hate me for it. (laughs) I don't think anybody will hate you for it, Kingdom. Do you want to look at something that that, freaks me out every time I see it? Is it about the hand? Yes. Yes, please. Okay, so you know the the classic the hand pose where he's like reaching the reaching the hand out toward the screen. Yeah, where he's swiping. Yeah. Um. Every time I see it, I see his like crotch pad as another finger, and I'm like, dang, he got he got six of those because of the framing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember him having six fingers. <laughs> oh, in the in the anime picture in that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Every single time I see it. I respect you. Yeah, that's a little freaky. It looks cool, though. The hand should have six fingers. fingers. Yeah. It is a hand. It is a hand. But yeah, so overall, the hand doesn't have a lot of impact on Okiyasu's arc. It reflects back onto him as a person well, but it doesn't really have anything to do with his growth or his... That's exactly how it... Was it? That's exa- Yeah, that's exactly how I would, I would summarize it as oh, well. You would? Yeah. And it works. I think that, like, Okiyasu doesn't need, like, his stand ability to grow or to leverage it in any special way to become a better or stronger person. He's just kind of your dumbass best friend. And that's his yeah. role in the story. And that's important. That's all it needs to be. He gets a little thing, but they don't give him too much. They could have easily overdone it and drawn, took and taken away from the whole serial killer thing going yeah. on. Oh, God, I'm looking at the movie, the movie, The Hand. I really like movie Okiyasu. Movie Okiyasu is good. Movie The Hand makes me upset. Why? Look at his face. He's so sad. That's what he looks like, though. I know, but it looks way worse there for some reason. Movie, movie, Okiyasu be like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, it looks like he's about to kill my dad. <laughs> Kinda. Um, and vibes. I think the hand's got good vibes. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. People out there saying rancid vibes, opposite healing vibes. Healing? No, Crazy Diamond has healing vibes. False. Oh, okay. It was the hand's ability the whole time. <laughs> galaxy brain theory crazy diamond doesn't do anything it was just okiyasu trying to make J- josuke feel better the whole time even from before they knew each other yes i and i think that considering the stands 
considering just everything. The criteria. Yeah, the criteria. Considering everything, I think that King Crimson and Diavolo are a more interesting pairing and overall do more for JoJo's than Okiasu and the Hand do, but it's close. I'm glad we don't have to fight over it. Yeah, like, I love Okiasu. I love the Hand. Uh, Okiasu's, like, top three, part four characters for me. Um, But King Crimson, Epitaph, King King Crimson again... Uh, but King Crimson, Epitaph, Diavolo, and Dopio have a lot more emotional weight behind them, um, which we didn't get into in too much detail, but they're very compelling characters and stands, whereas Okiasu and the Hand are just fun. I think the emotional weight more comes in with Trish than with Diavolo himself. But I think his backstory is interesting. I guess, yeah. Fear is an emotion. That is true. Yeah. Uh, and- yep. That brings us to our second matchup. It's fucking Foo Fighters versus Star Platinum. Which isn't fair to one of them, and I'm not sure which one. Same. So Foo Fighters is a super interesting case. We talked about both of these stands in episode 14 of Standoff. Um, Foo Fighters is a sentient stand. She is simultaneously stand and user, which makes this kind of tricky to talk about. Yeah... I mean, I think it makes it most difficult. No, I don't know. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's have a reflection first. I don't um, even know what there is to talk about for reflection because she yeah. is the stand. Like, she is a massive sentient plankton that was given life by one of White Snake's stand discs. Given, um, it, uh, the, 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 sen- the plankton was given a stand by the stand discs, which made them sentient. Right. Yeah, and they form into a big colony. They're either individual units or one big being with, like, a hive mind, I guess. And eventually, the plankton possess a dead body to be just a normal-looking girl in prison hanging out. And I feel like there's really no separating reflection from Ark in this. So I think we should just talk about... hmm? I have a little bit. Okay. Which could be, which like, in symbolism, there's, like... I didn't get too deep with it, but there seems to be, like, some kind of rabbit hole when it comes to comparing Foo Fighters with Kakyoin. I know I did it with, with like, like just a little <laughs> bit ago, but that, this is this is real, though. Yeah? Araki specifically said that uh, he tried to make... He tried to make Foo Fighters the, the plankton humanoid form, not the girl. Um, he tried to make it more insectoid or reptilian, but he doesn't... He doesn't really like how it came out. He said it looks more chameleon or like a space alien. Certainly. And he says that this this version of it could be seen as like an alternate version of Hierophant Green. And there's like a weird rabbit hole with like connections between story beats with Foo Fighters and Kakyoin. Interesting. Right. Because. And they're both green. Foo Fighters girl form is green. Yes. And Kakyoin boy form is green. They're both green. The, sure, they're both green. Yeah, Foo Fighters, like Kakyoin, starts as an enemy who quickly is conv- not necessarily convinced to be a friend. Kakyoin was mentally possessed by a flesh bud. It's- but yeah, they are enemies who become friends and essentially become one of the biggest confidants for the JoJo of the part and then die to protect their given JoJo, which I think Foo Fighters' arc is really, really fucking wonderful. Uh, yeah, Foo Fighters' like, story arc is way better than Kakyoin's. Yes. Alright, Kakyoin's was... He's a schoolboy, and he's out of his element, and that's it. <laughs> and he's, when Foo Fighters was, Foo Fighters become human. Right, yeah, exactly. Foo Fighters starts as essentially a non-entity. She's just a stand with an order to protect a duffel bag full of laser discs... And <laughs> damn 2001 was crazy yeah and then she is shown compassion for the first time ever um and decides to learn what it is to be human and becomes a person and becomes incredible friends with jolene and i always forget how to fucking pronounce it erme erme yeah um and yeah grows to like love them and have a personality and friendships and dreams 
near the end of her existence, she has like dreams and goals of what she wants to do in the future. And then she runs into a situation where she needs to protect her friends and chooses to sacrifice to do so. You have to weigh what you want to do with the protection of those around you. It's like, fuck, it's like the most human thing you could possibly be put into. Right, and it's, it's kind of, it's poetry because it rhymes. Isn't that what George R. R. Martin, not George R. R. Martin, fucking. Yeah, that guy. The guy who made Star Wars, George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so in the end, she dies protecting something like she would have originally if Jolene killed her, but this time it's her choice instead of what she was told to do by a priest who gets a hard-on for prime numbers. It means something to her, and it wasn't just a direction. Makes makes you fucking cry. (laughs) Yeah. Foof good. She's good, and she's cute. She, like, has fun, and she jokes around. She drinks water and makes her boobs bigger. I drink a lot of water. (laughs) Dude. Hydro homies. Yeah. Yeah. Foo Fighters... There's no real reflection because she's the stand and the person outside of what Kingdom said earlier. But her arc as a Joe bro, if you will, I think is one of the most poignant in all of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Maybe only upped by Gyros, in my opinion. Gyros is so good. Gyros is probably the best. Oh my god, every time I think about the teddy bear scene, I want to cry. I'm like, (laughs) this is very sad. (laughs) It's a because really he's the ta- he's the beaten up one. He is. It's him. I'm gonna cry. Do it. Um, yeah, I think I honestly think like Foo Fighters might be the best part of Part Six. Ooh, that's probably just thinking back on the spot because I can't think of anything that was better than just Foo Fighters. Uh, Doing Foo Fighters expand- shit. Yeah, expanding as a person. <laughs> I'm going yeah, to walk to your house and I'm going to kill you. I didn't mean to phrase it like that. You absolutely did. There's I did no, it. There's no other way to phrase it, dude. Okay. And Foo Fighters vibes. Angelic. Gorgeous. Wonderful. Yeah. Great. Criminally underrated. And that brings us to Star Platinum. Criminally overrated. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Star Platinum I, is the OG punch ghost who... He's, it's Star Platinum. Right. He punches good. He makes his finger long. He stops time. Star kneecap. Yeah. <laughs> he's in part three, part four, and part six. And like, I mean, he's, I guess he's technically in part five because you see Joe throw at one point. So like, I count it. True. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think part five counts, but Star Platinum is I, active. It does to me. Star Platinum is active in parts 3, 4, and 6. Um, again, we talked about it in episode 14. You can go back there. I don't think there's a lot of reflection of Star Platinum back on Jotaro. It's more... And this is just me following up my my conspiracy theory that I fully believe in, that Star Platinum is just Jonathan. Star Platinum is way more reflective of Jonathan than Jotaro. How? He's... the. The the silent gentleman who protects Jotaro. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. No, I just wanted to hear you elaborate on that for the people. Um, And he's the the counterbalance to Dio still. Yeah. In I, a more literal sense. I think that following that, rather than being like, oh, fucking out there theory, it is a reflection of Jonathan. I think Star Platinum works in that way as a reflection of the Joestar bloodline and how the Jojos kind of alternate from a cold temperament to a hot temperament each part because Star Platinum is both an incredibly stoic and protective stand, but then at the same time it does like do goofy shit occasionally and has a temper. Yeah, like it holds aspects, I would say, of more so the colder Jojos because Jonathan and Jodro are both colder temperamented jojos but it also has a bit of that fiery side that we saw in part two joseph before part three existed in my opinion i like that i like that that idea that it's more symbolic of the joestar bloodline but like at the same time jonathan could be too true but no you're right you're right you're right right and yeah i mean it has hair jodro (laughs) has hair jonathan has hair and his beautiful, beautiful severed head. 
Yeah, I... (laughs) I don't know. I... Yeah, I think it's fine as a stand. I don't think there's much reflection. Like, it may have to do a bit with the star tarot card. I don't... Yeah, I mean, that's reference. Like, it does, and it's like... uh, What was it? I just... I just read it a little bit ago, and I don't remember it now. Like, courage or something. Alright, let me pull it back up quick. Do that quick. I know another thing that it could be technically reflection of. What's that? Uh... His design's meant to look like... Uh, it, this has nothing to do with JoJo's, actually. It's, I mean, as tangentially. His design is meant to uh, look like Fist of the North Star. With, like... Uh, I think it's specifically the Part 3 shoulder pads. That makes sense. Because that's, like, a really big inspiration for Araki. Which is neat. It doesn't really say anything about Star Platinum, but it's a detail. Right. What do you got about that tarot um- card? I don't think it's actually as much as we thought. It's about feeling like positive, motivated, and free. You're in tune with the universe, and you've come through your tough times with a renewed sense of yourself and the world around you. Damn, fuck this stupid stand. Ha! Yeah, on that, let's talk about Ark a little, because I feel like there, I was thinking about this a lot last week. There is a lot of cool shit they could have done with Jodoro and Star Platinum throughout part three that they just kind of dropped in favor of having Jodoro be a cool badass. Like, at the start of part three, Jodoro is terrified of Star Platinum. He thinks it is a demon that is possessing him and just causing violent outbursts that are hurting those around him. And he doesn't trust the power. And then Joseph and Abdul show up and they're like, hey, no, it's called a stand because it stands beside you. It's cool. And he just (laughs) immediately accepts that, which... I guess that's following Jodro's character a little bit, but I feel like even fighting Kakyoin, another student who are the kind of people that Star Platinum almost killed, that made Jodro lock himself in jail, I feel like there should have been at least a bit of emotional weight behind that same fear cropping back up there, or maybe somewhere else in part three, because it really feels like there's no payoff to that initial impetus at the start of part three behind how Jotaro feels about Star Platinum. Damn. I completely forgot, like, that's... Yeah. That'd be really interesting if he was just... That'd be, like, a completely different part at that point, right? That would just completely change Jotaro's character. Into a much more interesting character, I think. Yeah. Because Jotaro's very like, 80s anime protagonist, I guess. Mm -hmm. No, like, he's... He's shonen man. He's shonen man. He, he's he's yara yara does he? Yeah, and I guess that's kind of um, indicative of the shonen genre at the time, right? Like fucking Yusuke Yu Yu Hakusho gets hit by an isekai truck and just is fine with becoming a spirit world detective, and there's certainly growth there. But don't make fun of my guy Togashi. He's a good. I'm write. not making fun. I did Togashi invent the isekai truck in Yu Yu Hakusho? Oh my god, I hope so. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's an important question. Holy shit. Togashi needs... Uh, what the fuck's it called? What's the one with the aqua girl? That's not oh, Konosuba? Money? Yeah, Ko- Togashi needs Konosuba money. <laughs> uh, he made that. He did. Um, but we're way the fuck off track. Um, yeah, part three is about cool fights and big punches it's not really about emotional growth or growth as a person which i think is given its length part of why it really falters as a whole Yeah, it it is like twice the length of every other part yeah and i think anything with jodoro and star platinum any kind of trepidation or remembering of that fear would have made it infinitely more engaging and that that was very much a lost opportunity yeah and Star Platinum has Aura Aura vibes. <laughs> Wait, I think I wrote something funny. <laughs> I wrote, bro, with a period. Just like, what the fuck you want me to say? Wait, what? I, for vibes, I just wrote bro with a period. Oh, he is kind of a bro. It's more of just me being like, what the fuck? What do you even want from me? What kind of vibes do you want me to say for Star Platinum? Right. 
I meant to say an arc, like we mentioned, Star Platinum appears in parts 4 and part 6, where it's basically the same thing. Like, Jodro's a bit more interesting in each of those parts, but Star Platinum really doesn't change outside of being a fun time-stoppy plot device that sometimes they need to just have Jodro stay in his hotel for a couple weeks because it would break all of the plot in part four. I mean, to a certain extent, Jotaro and Star Platinum are just meant to be blank slates. That kind of shows because he's there for so long. Right, and he's very much the poster child of JoJo's. He is the JoJo that appears fucking everywhere. Which, alright, I, w- I want to be, be fair, like, there's nothing wrong with, like, Star Planet is fucking great. Like, it, it, he's a poster child for a reason, right? Right, but, it like, is. Mm-hmm. There, there's... There was more risk they could have taken, but they went they went the easy route with it, you know? Right. To be genuine and not just shit on it for a minute, because that's the easy way, because I think we're yeah. le- probably leaning towards Star Platinum losing, though I could be completely wrong. It's, um, Foo, it's Foo Fighters. So yeah, Foo Fighters is going to win and move ahead. But to give credit to Star Platinum, it is very much the epitome of what a stand is it is incredibly simple but somebody could take you and they could go hey this is star platinum it's a stand it stands next to you and it punches good and it has some wacky shit it can do with its fingers and it can stop time that's the ground rules for what abilities in jojo's bizarre adventure can do you immediately go okay I get it. That's all shit I've seen before and understand. This is a good introduction to JoJo's. We give it a bunch of crap because there are so many stands that are so much cooler than that. But like this is the base. They don't get the spotlight that they probably deserve. Right. But Star Platinum is it's perfect. Yeah, you said it perfectly. It's it's the poster child for a stand in in all the best ways. And adding in um, the time stop is like, oh, they can also have magic abilities. Yeah. Like, th- that's it. Super, like, super punches and magic abilities, but they're a stand that stands beside you. Done. Done. You get it. Yeah, and we appreciate you for that service, Star Platinum, but you lose to Foo Fighters, and the hand loses to King Crimson, and I feel like the first episode of Round 3 went pretty well. I thought it was a nightmare, <laughs> but... <laughs> You decide. <laughs> yeah, so I brought it back. I'm it's a callback. It's humor. I'm really proud of you for calling back to fucking 2013 when people gave a shit about <laughs> epic rap battles of history. Watsky was on it. He was Shakespeare. Watsky was on it. I like Watsky. I know you like Watsky. Our next episode is going to be a good one because we get to talk about a baby. <laughs> it's Death 13 versus Pearl Jam and Kiss versus <laughs> Nut King Call. Oh my god! Two I'm honestly, fucking throat stops. I'm so glad, like I'm relieved that because this one was all right. Here's four stands that appear throughout either entire arcs or entire multiple arcs, mm-hmm. and then we get oh my god, I could just deal with Pearl Jam. Yeah, Pearl Jam, fucking nutking call is going to be an interesting one to talk about. Yeah, kiss is good. Yeah, and I think that's the end of the episode. I think I'm proud of us. I think I'm proud of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, fucking get better. Can people find you on the internet? Twitter.com says second kingdom, T-A-C-H-Y-O-N kingdom. It's all dumb. It's all dumb and bad. Wait, I want to see my most recent tweet to see how dumb and bad it was. Was it Megalobeervaney? Uh, <laughs> no, I've tweeted a lot since then. Uh, my most recent tweet was yelling at Bandai Namco to put Oob in Fighters. Yeah, that was pretty good, though. Fucking. Where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at RealKatsuneMiku, which I don't really use anymore because having a Twitter account just for that kind of got bad feeling. But it's still there. Um, or you can follow my main at Alias Paria. That's Alias, like the show Alias, Paria, like P-A-R-I-A, uh, where I tweet bullshit. Uh, and you can find the show at Standoff Podcast on Twitter, where we still tweet out pictures of the stands. We let you know what's coming up. Let you know if anything cool's going on. We reply to each other's tweets in ways that only we think are funny. We reply to each other's tweets in the same with the same account. Yeah, it's a good fit. <laughs> it's funny. 
And you can also find the show on Patreon. Uh, our Patreon is Standoff Pod. Uh, that's patreon.com slash standoffpod. And for $1 a month, you can get episodes a little bit early and monthly bonus episodes that are usually out on time. And usually. for $5 a month, you can get monthly chapter recaps of the light novels related to JoJo's. We started with George Joestar, and August, we're going to be talking about chapter six. We're like a third of the way through that, aren't we? A little more than a third. I think it's 16 chapters. That's wild. I know I know. it's specifically 666 pages. <laughs> That's just the PDF that we have. I know, but it's menacing. It's pretty good. And if you want to email us, you can do so at standoffpod at gmail.com. We will read your emails. We may reply if we feel like it. And we also have a Discord. The link to it is in our pinned tweet. And you can join to talk about JoJo's or just other stuff with our fans. It's a pretty nice community. And our music is Mad Rock is Strange City by Nice Wizard Music, a track that is over a year old at this point and still bangs as hard as it did when it was commissioned. Old. You are old. No! Um, and that's it. Do you have anything else you want to add? No. Great. Then with <laughs> that... Thank you all for joining us for the first episode of round three. We will see you next week. And as always, stand, stand proud. proud.